You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our Patreon podcast review of 1962's Lawrence of Arabia. The English have a great hunger for desolate places. They hunger for Arabia. I think you are another of these desert-loving English. I've been seconded to the Arab Bureau. Of course I'm a man for the job. What is the job, by the way? Have you no fear, English? My fear is my concern. We need a miracle. I hope to gain their freedom. I'm going to give it to them. The man who gives victory in battle is prized beyond every other man. It's going to be fun. Native. They think he's a kind of prophet. They do, or he does. It's one more failure, and you will find yourself alone. Who are you to know what can be done? Nothing is written. You're the most extraordinary man I ever met. You are using up your nine lives very quickly. For some men, nothing is written unless they write it. Time to be great again, my lord. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Lawrence of Arabia, and the story is as follows. Due to his knowledge of the native Bedouin tribes, British Lieutenant T.E. Lawrence is sent to Arabia to find Prince Faisal and serve as a liaison between the Arabs and the British in their fight against the Turks. With the aid of native Sheriff Ali, Lawrence rebels against the orders of his superior officer and strikes out on a daring camel journey across the harsh desert to attack a well-guarded Turkish port. The film is from 1962. It is a Patreon podcast review for Last Best Picture that was voted on by the fans of Next Best Picture. And it is starring Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, Jack Hawkins, Jose Ferrer, Anthony Quayle, Claude Rains, Arthur Kennedy, Omar Sharif, Peter O'Toole. It is directed by David Lean. And it is written by Robert Bolt and Michael Wilson. Joining me for this exclusive podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And also joining us, we said that we were going to start including our Patreon members who are Tier 3 Patreon members. That means that they contribute $4 or more towards these podcasts, which we are giving out as part of Next Best Picture. We said that we would start including them on the shows. This is the first time that we're doing that. Joining us from this review from Midline Network TV, I've got Chris Coltrane, everybody. Hello. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. So, if I take this correctly, I believe you said in the chat that this is your first time seeing Lawrence of Arabia. It is. I've held it off for way too long. Wow. Well, you know what? I am almost right there with you because I haven't seen this film in 10 years. So... The last time I saw Lawrence of Arabia was on DVD, pre-Blu-ray. 
So this was my first experience watching it, you know, kind of restored, I believe, a different cut entirely, now that I'm thinking about it, actually. And I have to say, it was like watching it for the first time ever. I barely remembered much of it. I remembered the visuals and I remembered some of the set pieces, but I couldn't really recall what the story was about and what the film was ultimately trying to say about its lead character. This experience for me, was totally different. And I will get into that. Uh, what about you, Parm? What what has been your relationship with the movie Lawrence of Arabia? Well, I've seen... It's been a while since I've seen it. It hasn't been quite 10 years, but it probably has been about ooh, maybe five years, I think, since I last saw it. And when I, when I first saw it, I remember liking it, but maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace to really appreciate it. It was during a time when... I was just basically trying to watch all the Best Picture winners as I could, and it might have felt a little like homework at the time. So I had to also go back and rewatch this film to refresh my memory of it, and I'm glad I did because it did kind of give me a different perspective on it watching it so recently. Yeah, I, I, you know what? When you say uh, watching the Best Picture winners, I think that's what I was doing too. I think I was trying to tackle the IMDb 250 at the time. Because I remember right around this uh, right around this time in my life, 17, 18 years of age, I, I had chosen to try and do that. So I think this was just a part of that. And I'm pretty sure I rented it from the library. That's how I got it on DVD. So yeah, everything's kind of uh, clicking back into place for me now as far as my memory of this goes. But I want to actually start off with Chris first. Because your impression of the movie intrigues me the most as somebody who has you know heard all the hype knows it's one of the greatest and most influential films of all time according to so many different sources but what was it like for you seeing it for the first time in 2018 did it live up to the hype so i'm really hit or miss on movies that come out uh pre-1970s mostly because 95 percent of the time they just haven't aged well so i was a little nervous going into this one for the first time and coming out feeling that way but I don't think this movie's aged at all. I think it's jaw-droppingly incredible. It the hype is a hundred percent real behind it. Uh, every single element is like pinpoint accurate when it comes to filmmaking. Uh, the cinematography is gobsmackingly gorgeous. Uh, it's brim with complex simplicity, and I, its impact on modern cinema is clearly immeasurable. Um, from the editing to, again, the cinematography, which feels really Deacons-esque to me. Um, as a film lover, this really doesn't have one thing to offer. I think this movie has everything to offer. It's I, I don't really know um, how it was made back then, and I really don't know how they make it now. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say, there is a certain level of quality to the filmmaking in this that makes it actually feel modern while watching it. Um, which is pretty incredible when you think about it, considering the length of the film is over three hours long, nearly four hours long, and yet it's got such a tremendous sense of pacing to it because there's always conflict in every single scene that is dramatic and interesting to watch. Um, there's always a task that Lawrence has to do or... A certain member, another like character in the film that he's coming into conflict with because of their ideologies or he's trying to get the two tribes to work together for a common greater good. There's always some sort of a dynamic in every single scene. Maybe he's battling the elements of the desert 
whatever it is, this film is like one of the quickest over three and a half hour watches I think I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, this is I haven't watched a movie this long in quite a while. I didn't even know the runtime um, until I actually started watching it and I saw the three hours and like 46 minutes and I was like, oh boy, here we go. Um, but I think all the scenes in Cairo are incredibly gripping from a dialogue standpoint. And uh, all the desert scenes really test his character morally. Um, it, it, it's all it's all gripping, even as empty as the environment can feel. It, it somehow fills it. All right. So, Josh Parham, uh, you've seen it before. Do you echo these same sentiments? I do. For the most part, I, I do think that it is an uh, overall an incredible movie. I really do think that the performances are strong. Uh, I, I echo the same thoughts about the cinematography. Like this is a gorgeous looking film. I do think that the beginning and the end of the film, I struggle just a little bit. I think it gets a little. It, it takes a little bit for it to get going in the beginning, and I think it loses a little steam towards the end of the film. But everything in the middle, like when they are in Cairo, I think is excellent. Like that is when the movie just really zips by and it's sort of amazing how much it does. So I do have some quibbles with it, but overall, I still admit that it is an incredible filmmaking experience, something that they could never duplicate today. I, I agree. But, you know, some small issues, but overall, it's still an incredible movie, I think. I have to agree in the sense that I do have some small issues, um, primarily number one, and I know that this is like a product of its time in this regard, but casting a major Hollywood actors that are not of the same ethnicity of, as the real life characters that they are portraying was probably my biggest, and eh, it's very distracting, you know, kind of complaint that I had with this, primarily um, with Anthony Quinn and Alec, uh, Alec Guinness mostly. Mm-hmm. I would say those were those were the big the big things for me uh, ultimately, but otherwise, yeah, I I have to say I, I could totally understand and walked away from this realizing what a monumental achievement this 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 was for its time. I think they said something like this movie had near three hundred uh, shooting days, something along those lines, and there were like some days where David Lean would only get one shot. Because of just the amount of planning that would have to go into everything. This is pre-CGI. You know, all the extras that you see in a shot, they're all real extras. They all have to be outfitted. They all have to get these camels in. They have to get the sets and uh, everybody has to, you know, just be on cue and on point. It, It must be a logistical nightmare. So when I watch this... Um, it's the same reason why Apocalypse Now is one of my favorite films of all time. It's because when I watch something like Apocalypse Now, that film is a movie to me where I look at it and I go, I'm just in awe of the level of craftsmanship, the level of patience, creativity that must have went into this from a practical standpoint to get these images on the screen. Oh, and to boot, it's well paced, it's well acted, and it's just a damn good story. At the end of the day, what more could you possibly want? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That sense of scope that's in the movie is just undeniable. You know, you can feel just all of the practicality that goes into that filmmaking. And, you know, it, it is unfortunate that that's kind of lost today. But you really feel it in this movie. I remember 
there's another scene when uh, they're attacking the trains and they actually derail a train and you feel the weight of that. And it's something you just really don't get in too many modern movies today, unfortunately. Now, I have to ask this question because we are talking about how amazing an achievement it is, how there's no CGI, but yet it still feels very modern. And yet there is a large portion of the earth, let's say, that maybe has not seen this movie due to its age. I'm going to come right off the bat and I'm going to ask this question. I was thinking about saving it towards the end, but I figure why not ask it now? Do we think that Lawrence of Arabia is a film that is potentially on the list to one day be remade? Yeah. I think it's undeniable. Will it be good? No, probably not. Uh, It's just like Ben-Hur, I feel. I mean... Mm. So you don't think you don't think that because of how you know rewarded it is you know seven time Academy Award winner um, all the critical praise this you know and how influential it is that it's like exempt from this status like some movies are like for example like The Wizard of Oz, The Godfather, Casablanca. I can't see Hollywood remaking these particular movies because of just how iconic they are. You yeah. know, does Lawrence of Arabia fall into that category? I, I don't think so. I think there is going to be somebody, I don't know when this will be, probably 10 or 20 years down the road, that's going to watch this movie and be like, I can do that. And then they're going to go to some studio and they'll want to do it. I'm sure they will. Uh, again, like you said a couple of days ago on Twitter, how The Godfather probably won't be remade. I completely agree with that. And the same with Apocalypse Now. That's another movie I don't think is ever going to have a chance of being remade uh this this one it'd just be so hard to make a three and a half hour long movie today up to this standard i i don't see it happening um anytime soon but i do see it happening in the future for sure the likelihood of it getting remade i think is low but at the same time i don't think anything is sacred in hollywood anymore i mean you Mentioning Ben Hur, I think that's a perfect example. Who would have thought Ben Hur would ever need a remake? But yet it happened anyway, so it probably will get remade at some point. Ah. All right, sad but true. Let's move on to the breakdown here of some of the sequences in the film. Let's start off with the very beginning. Uh, the film opens with a black screen and the musical score plays. And right away, off the very uh, bat, I'm like, they don't make films like this anymore. They don't, <laughs> this doesn't happen. And I loved it. I love the idea. And I didn't watch this in a movie theater. I watched it at home. But I just love the idea of potentially sitting in a seat in a crowded theater and just listening to the music. And let's just start off with that. The music in this movie by Maurice Jarre. I hope I'm saying that correctly because bravo. That that theme, it gets played many times throughout the, the movie. But that iconic theme is... You know, it's Star Wars, it's Lord of the Rings, it's Indiana Jones. It's one of those themes that it's undeniably Lawrence of Arabia, and it has such a grand scope but such a melodic yet memorable feel to it. Um, it's entirely distinguishable. I, I, I just I fall in love with it every single time they play it throughout the movie. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to echo that. This is probably in my top ten scores. After listening to this, I listened to it uh, earlier today as well. Um, I I feel like this movie would struggle to be as epic as it was in moments without 
uh, having such a grand score, like you said. Uh, I definitely hear John Williams in this score for sure. And I, I can hear how he probably took quite a few ideas from this um, score in general. But I, yeah, I completely agree. It's, this score is it's it's honestly jaw dropping at all moments of the movie. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of the full podcast for our review of Lawrence of Arabia, which you can still listen to if you subscribe to our Patreon page for a minimum of $1 a month. You not only get this review, but a bunch of others that we have been doing lately as voted on by you, the community of Next Best Picture. So by all means, head on over to our Patreon page at Next Best Picture and subscribe over there for a minimum of $1 a month and you will get this review and oh so much more. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and support. Thank you. As always, I am Matt Meglia, and you can find me on social media at Next Best Picture. And we will always see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.